promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? It's time for populism with a purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. And welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. There are plenty of people out there trying to inflame your passions. I know, I read the comments in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, and they were positively scary. But hyperpartisanship in both Washington and Sacramento just gets in the way of solving any of the vexing problems that face our nation and our state. So my purpose is different. I've come to inform you, to give you information that will enable you to make an independent judgment on current events, and then to encourage you to act on that judgment. Joining us today is Eric Early. Eric is a Republican candidate for the Office of Attorney General. And what separates Eric from the other candidates in this race is that he is a businessman, not a politician. He's a successful practicing attorney. Eric is the managing partner at Early, Sullivan, Wright, Geyser, and McRae, and the firm specializes in a range of business, entertainment, real estate, title, and escrow-related litigation. And if you go to <clears throat> ericearly.com, which is his campaign website, you can click on a Facebook debate, um, and you'll see that he is a litigator. Mr. Early is not a politician. He's a first-time candidate, but he's running for office because he's convinced that the state is moving in the wrong direction. And I think a lot of you listening today agree with that, that we are over-politicized in almost every office at the state level, but especially in the attorney general's office. And that is a big part of the problem. Eric believes that we must stand against the constant attacks on everyday Californians by a political elite and, their, and the special interests that support them. He wants to bring a common sense, conservative voice to our state government focused on the rights of citizens of all races, religious, religions, ethnic backgrounds, and sexual orientation. One of the issues that Eric and I are going to cover this morning is the state's sanctuary law and policy. So I want to get the facts out of the way up front. Eric and I are both the children of immigrants. In fact, both of our fathers came to the United States from Austria in the 1930s. My father sacrificed several years of his early psychological career to work as a civilian in the war supply effort. My cousin served in the military in the Second World War. Eric's father served and was wounded in Korea before going on to a successful career as an architect. In other words, we are enthusiastic supporters of legal, lawful immigration and can testify to, its, to the contributions that immigrants make in the United States. Eric. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. Thanks for having me, Joyce. Happy <coughs> Sunday morning. Happy Sunday morning. I have to say that 
Eric, I'm I'm extremely impressed with the amount of support that Eric has garnered through the law enforcement community in the state and the amount of money that as a first-time candidate with no PAC, with no special interest to support him, has gathered. But I'm hoping this conversation that we're about to have will get you to go to ericearly.com and make a donation because it takes money to get this message of moderation out uh, to the general public before the June 5th primary. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, and, uh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Well, everybody's <laughs> votes would be really appreciated, too. Uh, as you know, Joyce, we have a big primary on June 5th, and the absentee ballots are in, so people can either write in or right now or go to the uh, polls on June 5th. And uh, uh, June 5th is a big day because in California, uh, as many people know, the top two of any party go forward. And then uh, in November, we have the general election. And we have to ensure that I'm one of those top two. And and anybody who's registered to vote of any party can vote for me. Just because I'm a Republican doesn't preclude somebody who's registered as another from another party or may not have uh, distinguished their party from uh, voting for me in this primary election. I think that's an important point. We call it a jungle primary. And the purpose of the jungle primary when it was created about, what, three elections ago, um, was to ensure that more moderate candidates would make it to the general election. And and Eric, if you go and follow Eric's um, positions, you'll realize that Eric is the real deal. He is a centrist. Uh, He understands practically the uh, implications of over-regulation and over-legislation and, um, and, the, and, and the crazy elitist policies of um, some members of the state's uh, political establishment. So as we promised, Eric, let's talk about California sanctuary law because that's going to be an important issue. Yeah. Um, in, in separating you from, let's say, uh, Mr. Jones, who's running to oppose uh, Bracera from the left. Um, yeah. So let's talk, about, let's talk about the sanctuary law. Let's talk about it in terms of the United States Constitution, the Supremacy Clause, 200 years of Supreme Court rulings that say Congress and Congress alone makes the laws about immigration, not to mention that the United States Constitution specifies that only white males could become citizens. Um, And then let's talk, if you don't mind, a little bit about, you know, let's talk about the Supremacy Clause, and then we might take a tiny trip back in history and talk a little bit about nullification, because it does seem... It does seem what what Bracera's attempt to do legislatively is, in fact, a repeat of the um, mid-19th century um, attempts at nullification. All right. Let me, uh, you know, naturally the uh, Constitution has been interpreted way beyond uh, the the old days where what you said, uh, only white males could be U.S. citizens, obviously. (laughs) Anybody can become a U.S. citizen. Uh, Now... uh, Listen, the, uh, let's now move forward to the pre- present sanctuary state law, which is one of the reasons I really got involved in this race in October. You know, you've said a lot about my background, so I won't go into it. But 
yeah, I'm not a politician, uh, but I just got fed up. Um, and when you uh, look at the law, and what I've been calling it, quite honestly, is the Illegal Immigrant Felon Protection Act. And I think if that's what it was actually called, because that's what it's actually being used for, uh, and I'll go into that in more detail, more people would be opposed to it than are already opposed to it, and millions of Californians are already opposed to it. But this law is being used exclusively to protect not only those folks who came here illegally, but who've been violating the law, oftentimes violently, oftentimes repeatedly, since they got here. And no country and no state should be responsible for protecting someone who's not only here illegally, but who's been violating the law since they got here. And yet this law precludes our state and local law enforcement from working with federal law enforcement, federal law enforcement known as ICE, to um, apprehend these folks who came here illegally and have been committing crimes. And yeah, I'll get into the Supremacy Clause argument in a second, but this is why I'm so against this law, and this is why we're having what I've been calling, and what we've had is, this prairie fire that spread throughout Southern California. It started in Los Alamitos. It spread around Southern California. City after city after city, it spread down to San Diego. It's spreading up North California now. It's spreading around our state. Cities and counties are the, either opting out of this law or joining in the federal government's lawsuit against the law. And I support all of these brave citizens. This is what happens when years and years of one-party rule in Sacramento, and that's what we've had, uh, gets arrogant, because that's what happens. When people think they can and do, can do anything and do do anything, they become very arrogant. Uh, we've had a lot of arrogant stuff coming out of Sacramento for years now. And the people are taking democracy in their own hands, and the media is downplaying what's going on. But I talk all around this state as part of this campaign, and there is a tremendous energy out there of people of all political persuasions who've had enough with, of this stuff. So, and especially, and it's being focused, and it's coming out on this sanctuary state situation. And now, and we're going to go, and we're going to take a quick commercial break right now, and we're going to come back and focus on how we fight this sanctuary law. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with Eric Early, candidate for, Republican candidate for Attorney General of California. And we're talking about the spreading movement in opposition to California's sanctuary state law. And <clears throat> Eric, you were talking about the spreading movement in, in support of uh, the federal government's lawsuit um, against California's law. So the floor is yours. Thank you. In support mm -hmm. of that and, and or in support of opting out of the state's law. Wow. And uh, listen, uh, Mr. Becerra and this other character, uh, Kevin DeLeon, and the the governor of the state, and a few others up there who foisted this law upon us, uh, they've stepped on a hornet's nest. And the hornets are flying. They don't know what to do right now. Uh, there is an insurrection going on in California right now. When you have over, I think it's over 30, it might be over 40 cities already, 
have uh, voted to opt out of this law or join in the uh, the lawsuit against the state, you cannot minimize uh, the importance of that statement of the citizens of California and of those actions. Uh, you know now, advi- and and the reason I support the federal government's uh, case against the state is because the sanctuary state law violates the supremacy clause of the U.S. Constitution. And let me explain that a bit. And ironically enough, uh, the federal government's lawsuit is based largely on a U.S. Supreme Court case that was brought and won by the Obama administration. And in that case, uh, a couple years ago, uh, some of your listeners might remember that the state of Arizona uh, wanted to pass a law that, and they might have even passed a law, that would have required uh, police officers when doing traffic stops to ask folks for their immigration papers. They did pass that law. Okay. And the Obama administration sued the state of uh, Arizona, and one of the Obama administration's main arguments was, was that the federal government, and not the states, control all matters of immigration. The U.S. Supreme Court uh, agreed with the Obama administration and held that pursuant to the U.S. pursuant to the supremacy clause of the U.S. Constitution, immigration matters are controlled by the federal government, not the state government. And that is that case. It is that very case on which the federal government now relies to say that the California sanctuary state law is unconstitutional because it violates the supremacy clause because the federal government, not the state government, controls all matters of immigration. So it's on sound footing, uh, this lawsuit, and, uh, and that's why I support it. You know, the state, uh, meaning Mr. Becerra, and, and I, I'll digress a bit. I don't consider Mr. Becerra a real lawyer. The man, uh, sure he has a law degree. He came out uh, of law school around 1990, did two years of legal aid. He went into politics. He never looked back. He was an inactive member of the California Bar for 26 years before he became active again, just before Jerry Brown anointed him, our attorney general. Uh, his, the, the, the people in the Depart- California Department of Justice and there are many great lawyers who do work for the California Department of Justice, filed uh, a motion to dismiss the federal lawsuit, claiming that the Tenth Circuit, or rather the Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which is the state's rights amendment, controls this issue, not the sanctuary, rather not the supremacy clause. And I believe they're wrong. I don't believe the motion to dismiss will be granted. And uh, it's a huge issue, and, uh, and I strongly support the opposition to the sanctuary state. You know, as you said at the beginning, Joyce, uh, I'm the son of legal immigrants to America. I support legal immigration tremendously. Uh, immigrants built, or in many respects, built, <coughs> excuse me, built our great country. But, but we have a regime in Sacramento now that by their actions and their conduct, because they won't come out and admit it, most of them, do not believe in borders. And no country and no state can survive if it doesn't have a border. All of us have the right to uh, 
to uh, lock our homes and our apartments, and uh, and cu- and countries and states have a right to lock its borders. We have a financially bankrupt state here. It costs billions, that's with a B, of dollars a year to pay for services for ongoing illegal immigration. And I completely support the fact that we have to secure our borders. Uh, and, uh, and I'll say another thing, and, and this is something I try and make clear every time I speak, because the uh, most in the media want to try and paint people like me as hating immigrants. And no, that's so not true. You know, I speak to many, many, for example, Hispanic Americans on the campaign trail. These are some of the greatest people I meet. Hardworking, God-fearing, love their families. They're the first ones that tell me that they are so against illegal immigration. They're the first ones to tell me how hard they work to get to where they are here. And they're the first ones to tell me they don't want endless flood of illegal immigration to, uh, to take away from the benefits that are available for those who are legal immigrants to our society. So, uh, you know, another thing I want to make clear, we have two million illegal immigrants in our country. And in our state, even though I do even I mean, in our state, thank you. And even though I do believe we need to secure our borders, I also say that for those two million, if they've been here and they have not been breaking the law since they got here, and they've been working hard to become part of the American society and assimilate into our American society and bring their kids up in the American society, then when I'm attorney general, nobody's going to deport those two million. All right? So we need to be very clear about that. When I'm attorney general, those two million, we've got to figure out a pathway to citizenship for. I do want to very much stop the endless flow of illegal immigration. But if you've gotten here, you haven't been breaking the law since you got here, uh, as of the date that I got elected, then, uh, then we will, uh, nobody's going to be deporting them. So yet another reason why this sanctuary state law is completely unnecessary. Well, the sanctuary state law goes even further in that it actually imposes a, it imposes a fine on um, <clears throat> employers who um, comply with the E-Verify system. Um, while that system is voluntary except for government employment, um, which is one of the ways we, one of the things I think we should change, uh, it does, uh, in fact, um, nullify the state action. Does in fact nullify um, federal law that requires um, that that requires people to prove their ability, their legal right to work in the United States. So, how would you handle that in the two minutes before we go to break? And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about business regulation. Yes, uh, Mr. Becerra has put our businesses uh, between a rock and a hard place. And at one point he came out and he issued a veiled threat against businesses if they did things that he believed would violate the sanctuary state law. And, and the fact of the matter is, is our business creators uh, who create the jobs for all of our people, the, the, the great jobs for our people, we need to pull them out of the line of fire of this debate between the 
the split between the federal government and the state government. But Mr. Becerra, and as I told him quite uh, vigorously at the debate this week, uh, he's got to stop picking on our good and decent citizens and our job creators when it comes to his particular uh, obsession with Donald Trump and the Trump administration. Uh, you know, <laughs> Javier Becerra, Javier, and I've been coming out and saying this, I've gotten quoted a lot on this, Javier, Javier Becerra is obsessed with Donald Trump. I think he goes to bed at night thinking about Donald Trump. I think he wakes up in the morning thinking about Donald Trump. I think when he's sitting there having his cup of coffee, he's thinking about Donald Trump. It's really kind of a pathetic thing. And he's only been in office. He was not elected. He was appointed by Jerry Brown to replace Kamala Harris a little over a year ago. And he's filed 32 lawsuits against the Trump administration. You don't need to be a lawyer to know that there's something wrong just by listening to those numbers. And who's paying for those lawsuits? The good, good and hardworking people of California. We're probably talking tens of millions of dollars in attorney's fees so far. So, far. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you about after we come back from break, which is all of this litigation is coming out of the general fund. It's not being paid for by California, by the Department of Justice. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with Eric Early, can- Republican candidate for Attorney General. And as we, uh, as I interrupted him because we had to go take a commercial break, um, we were just starting to talk about the 30-plus lawsuits that Javier Becerra has entered into in his little over a year in the Attorney General's um, office. And, and you know, what I keep hearing, Eric, in the terms of the commercials and the debates and so forth in, um, in the run-up to the primary, uh, which will be held on June 5th, unless you've got your mail-in ballot and you can mail it in today, um, is the word resistance. You know, and and I unlike you know I'm an undergraduate. Um, I'm a history major, um, and so I remember a little bit about Jackson and the uh, and his debate with Calhoun over the theory of nullification that if a state didn't like a law, could it just ignore it? And how the federal government had to assert at that moment again the premise that took us from the Articles of Confederation to the Constitution, which is we're one country. And the place where you make law is within the independent state legislatures, if it's at the state level, and within the Congress of the United States, if it's a matter of constitutionality and and, and as a matter of federal law. And what is all of this, the resistance? I mean, we had a lawful election. Um, and one person got enough electoral votes to be elected president. Remember that the people elect the Congress, the states elect the president. Um, that is part of the checks and balances. So there are 30 some lawsuits. You're a practicing attorney. And from all um, that I read about you, one of the most successful in the state What's this costing the California taxpayer? 
when we don't have enough money for roads or to educate our children? The cost of the taxpayer is at least several million dollars and could be over $10 million. Now I'm purely speculating because even though all taxpayers should be being made aware by its government, what its government is spending on this stuff, its government, meaning this uh, cabal up in Sacramento, is keeping all of these uh, numbers secret. All right? But if you file 30 major lawsuits against the U.S. government, each one of those lawsuits is going to cost you at least a million dollars to prosecute and probably well more before all is said and done. So, you know, what we have here is we have Javier Becerra. Javier Becerra has the title of uh, acting attorney general of the uh, state of California. I don't know if it has the word acting in there or it might be appointed attorney general of the state of California. Javier Becerra should be the attorney general of the so-called resistance. All right? I'm no fan of this resistance movement. But Javier Becerra has used the office exclusively to be the head of the resistance. So Javier Becerra needs to step aside from being attorney general of the state of California, and he can go into his, his, his resistance mode. The state of California, we have many, many problems and issues we need to deal with here to protect our citizens. And this fellow Becerra, and oh, by the way, Dave Jones, who's another one running, who said he'd maintain all the lawsuits against the Trump administration, etc. These fellows should go join their resistance movement and stop wasting our money and wasting our time, and, uh, and, and they should move on to other walks of life. I'm in this race because I want to protect the people of California. I'm a huge supporter of law enforcement. You know, crime has been on the, the rise uh, in the last four or five years out here in California. We have uh, these propositions that Kamala Harris's office and now uh, Becerra's office dropped on us, uh, Proposition 47 and Proposition 57. Proposition 47 was sold by Ms. Harris's office as the Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act. People, of course, when they voted, we all want safe neighborhoods and schools. We supported it. What does the act do? What it actually does is it increased the amount that somebody could steal from $400 to $950 without getting prosecuted at all. And so we have these criminals running all around the state rampant, stealing up to $950 on each occurrence, or damaging property or destroying property that is worth up to $950, and nobody prosecutes them. They're laughing at law enforcement. They're laughing at us. They're laughing at the legislators. Uh, there was Proposition 57, another proposition sold to us based on a lie. And uh, that one, about two months ago, a state court judge said that there's nothing in Proposition 57 that prevents the early release on parole of violent sexual predators, and they're estimated to be about 10,000 of them in our prisons. So we have this criminal's paradise that the Becerra and Joneses of the world are foisting upon us. Uh, I'm running to reverse that trend, to reverse all of that. I'm meeting with sheriffs, chiefs, 
rank and file up and down our great state. These are some of the best and the brightest and bravest and most dedicated people we have in our state, and I support them very much. And we need, again, in our Attorney General's office, somebody that is actually a friend of law enforcement. You know, I've been, like you said earlier, I've only been in this race since October, never been a politician. And I've now been endorsed by, I was endorsed by Steve Cooley, the former district attorney of Los Angeles County. Steve came within an inch of beating Kamala Harris for this attorney general's job. He's one of the great people in our state. I've been endorsed by John Lopey, the sheriff of, of Siskiyou County. He's like John Wayne in the flesh. I've been endorsed by Stacy Montgomery, the district attorney of Lassen County, an incredibly strong and dedicated uh, person that we have in government. I've been endorsed by Sheriff Sandra Hutchins of Orange County. Sheriff Sandra Hutchins uh, was uh, the victim of one of Mr. Becerra's veiled threats when she uh, took some steps that were perfectly legal to counter the effects of the sanctuary state law. And he came out and threatened her. And I came out and defended her. And I met with her, and she endorsed me. This is a, bro- a brave, bold, strong woman, exactly what we should have in leadership in this state, and not these, uh, these far-left radicals these, uh, that are presently populating our government. You know, I compare Mr. Becerra to having Nancy Pelosi in our attorney general's office. He has politicized the office terribly. He's missing on these issues that I'm talking about. He's AWOL on these issues. I'll tell you another issue that he's AWOL on. There's something called APPS. It's the uh, system set up and largely funded by the Republicans in the legislature, uh, uh, surprisingly enough to many of your listeners, I'm sure, where they earmarked at least $25 million for the Attorney General's office to, to work with law enforcement to go and confiscate the weapons from the felons and others who are on this list that are not legally allowed to continue to uh, keep their weapons. And Mr. Becerra has been almost completely AWOL on this, not properly working with law enforcement to go out and get these weapons. These are weapons, now, now just so you know, I want to be clear, I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment, as are most Republicans that I know. I'm a strong supporter of concealed carry, but there is this APPS list, there are these felons who are on the list who are not supposed to have their guns, and Mr. Becerra has been AWOL on the job in going and getting these guns. So for whatever reason, he's so obsessed with Donald Trump that our public safety is really, uh, you know, just taking second fiddle in his life. And that's why we need a change. I'll tell you something else that means a tremendous amount to me. And you don't hear a peep out of Mr. Becerra's office. You hear a little lip service now and then. The safety of our children in their schools is a huge issue. I've got two grown children now, but when I used to drop them off in school, I did not have to worry uh, that somebody was going to open fire in a school. Parents have to worry about this now. I think you're Uh, absolutely... You're absolutely right, and they're whispering in my ear that we need to go take a commercial break. So we got to go pay the bills, and don't go away, because Eric and I are going to talk about this. 
front and center issue of school safety. And we're also going to talk about 23,000 drug deaths on California streets. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with Eric Early, Republican candidate for Attorney General. And as we went to break, Eric raised the really important point, uh, a point brought home again on Friday in Santa Fe, Texas. The safety of our children in school. And like you, Eric, I've got, you know, my son's grown, um, but he gave me life's greatest gift, two grandchildren. So every time I walk into one of their schools, I think it's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm a businesswoman. Why am I thinking about the vulnerabilities of the many entrances into their school campus? Why are we living in this in this uh, crazy space? As I was saying, and as you're saying, you know, back in the day when we uh, dropped our kids off at school, this is not a concern we <clears throat> as parents had. Yep. Uh, and this is not a concern our children had when they went to school. In this day and age, parents are tremendously concerned about the safety of their kids in their schools for all the obvious reasons. And their kids are tremendously concerned for the same reasons. And we have a present attorney general who hasn't said a peep about this stuff. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about it. I've been doing a lot of talking about it. Because when I get this job, this is going to be one of the things at the top of my plate. Uh, And I want to get together an advisory council, the best and the brightest in these areas, to deal with this. But, you know, we have to start looking very seriously at how not only we secure our doors, we have to look very seriously about whether we need a law enforcement presence in our or in and or at our schools and how to fund that kind of presence. And another thing I've been talking about, and I've been, I've been the only one on this campaign talking about this since day one, is what I call the three-headed scourge of severe mental illness, homelessness, and prescription drug abuse. Uh, listen, nobody can doubt that the kid that opened fire in Texas the other day, the kid that opened fire in Florida before him, the kid that opened fire in Connecticut before him, this maniac that opened fire in uh, Las Vegas, nobody can doubt that they are all, are or were all severely mentally ill. And, you know, in our present society, in all states, if you know someone who's severely mentally ill and all the families of these kids and these people knew they had a ticking time bomb on their hands and there's nothing they can do with them. The only thing you can do with these people is if you're lucky, you can get a 5150, which is a 72-hour hold, where they can be held up to 72 hours and then they're let out again. Uh, and it's very difficult to get a, a 5150. Uh, we need to seriously look again at uh, ways to involuntarily commit, and that's the key word, involuntarily. Involuntarily commit the severely mentally ill to specially designed and set up facilities to take care of them 
and to treat them, who are, which are populated by uh, mental health professionals and the like. Uh, and they, they need to be in these places for as long as they need to be in these places. People throughout our state and throughout our country know people like this. The kids in the schools know people like this. They know it. They all aware, they're all aware of the, the very, very, very sort of twisted kid out there. And, 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 and yet nothing can be done about it. So, you know, one thing I want to do is when I'm elected, I want to get together an advisory council of the best and brightest in mental health, in law enforcement, in uh, other areas that touch on these issues. And the first thing I want to do is I want, I want to scour the earth for success stories, for ways that we deal with this stuff. But listen, the days of just letting the severely mentally ill uh, walk around among us and be completely dosed on uh, psychotropic drugs uh, and have these ticking time bombs walking among us has to stop. And, and it's not only to protect us. It's not only to protect our kids, but it's also to protect the severely mentally ill from themselves. You know, right now, you will see, and it's pretty, it's a generally well-known fact at this point, the largest mental institutions in our country are the prisons. And it's not because the prisons were set up to be mental institutions. It's because that's the place of last resort. And the prisons are not properly set up for this stuff. This should not be the job of law enforcement to have to take care of these people. And from a humanitarian standpoint, it's not the proper place for the severely mentally ill to be treated and taken care of anyhow. And so these are huge issues. We have to start looking again at these issues. I have thoughts on how we would pay for these, these if you call them asylum or mental uh, or, or, or facilities. Um, but we have to deal with it. And then that swings me into this, what I believe is a homelessness epidemic going on right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, you have, uh, you walk around Los Angeles here, there are 10 cities popping up all over. They're in all of our big cities, and, our, and they're popping up in our smaller cities and jurisdictions now, too. It's a huge problem. All the politicians do is pay it lip service. I believe what I'm talking about, about the severely mentally ill would go a long way to help reducing that situation. Also, I'm not saying that all homeless are severely mentally ill, but I am saying that a large percentage of them are. And I want to make clear that when I talk about severe mental illness, I'm not talking about what you would call your sort of run-of-the-mill household, quote-unquote, mental illness. I'm talking about the severely mentally ill, and I know people of common sense, thinking people, know what I'm talking about. I think you're... Uh, I think you're absolutely right. And California used to have a very strong system of mental facilities uh, until the mid-1980s where, and and we didn't have a huge homeless, in, mentally incapacitated population because we were taking care of these people in a humane and humanitarian way. And we need to get back to that. You're absolutely right. And we're running um, a little bit low on time. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then, Eric, if we could come back and talk for about two minutes about overregulation and the Environmental Justice Bureau, 
um, and give you a plug where people can find out even more about you. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with Eric Early. You can find more about Eric at ericearly.com. If you want to help spread Eric's message, you can make a donation there. It's quite easy. Um, <clears throat> Eric, we've got about two minutes left uh, to wrap up. And, you know, I want to take a moment to talk about um, the business side of the attorney general's role in California um, about things like the Environmental Justice uh, Bureau and the overregulation and the impact on California, even on our housing crisis, caused by a regulatory uh, nightmare coming out of Sacramento. So you've got about yeah, let me, two minutes here. <clears throat> well, let me do a plug for myself first, and I'll get into that, uh, Joyce. Uh, to all your listeners, I'm the only one in the center in this race. I've got two Democrats on my far left, and then i got one other Republican who's to my far right. The other Republican is also under a, uh, a state corruption investigation as we speak. Uh, there's no way he could get elected on a statewide basis. And uh, listen, it's time for a common-sense Republican to get up to uh, Sacramento and to keep uh, this abuse of power in check. I like to think that all of your listeners, no matter of what political persuasion, knows that too many years of one-party rule is never any good. And we need a common-sense Republican up there to at least keep in check the abuses of power that have been going on up in Sacramento for far too long, which have uh, shown themselves not only in some of these bills that they pass and that they're passing, but it shows them itself in the way in the sexual harassment that has gone on uh, virtually unchecked in the state capitol for years. Uh, by, and and by, uh, amazingly enough, they've been by the Democrats in the legislature. Javier Becerra never opened his mouth about the situation. Chief legal officer of the state, the attorney general, should have immediately opened up an investigation into the situation, which is something I'd do. So I could use everybody's support and everybody's vote. And so getting back to your question, Joyce, listen, our businesses, this is a, an environment in California now because of all the regulations that businesses either don't want to start here, can't start, or are fleeing the state. And these are our job creators. We have to take the shackles off of our job creators. We need them for our people, so our people can get the good-paying jobs that they deserve. So I want to look very closely as the Attorney General at whether and at what regulations are, are arguably going beyond the, uh, the law and beyond what is allowed. And from an environmental standpoint, listen, I, of course, am against polluters. Our state is a gorgeous state, and we need to keep it gorgeous. But at the same time, we have environmental laws that are being abused. That, For example, there's our CEQA laws, our environmental laws. You have these CEQA abuse mills of lawyers that sue every time a developer wants to build a, a development for people for, for uh, affordable housing, or they want to build a series of buildings where businesses and job creators will be housed. And these CEQA abusers essentially... They file these lawsuits to extort huge payments from the developers, and in many cases they prevent the development and the building of these uh, affordable housing uh, complexes from ever being built. 
the Attorney General needs to do a deep dive into these issues, too, and I intend to do it. And, Eric, on that note, um, you've got my vote. Um, Thank you. And um, off offline, I'm I've, I've got a couple of other ideas of places we could you could go. Um, <clears throat> but we're running out of time, so I'm going to urge everybody who's listening today to go to ericearly.com, and you, you can read more about Eric's positions, and you can. Also, make a donation. It's really expensive to run a statewide race, and Eric has raised a significant amount of money, which is really, really hard to do if you are a first-time candidate. So go and help him. Make sure you fill out your mail-in ballot. About three-quarters of us vote by mail in California. And remember that in a jungle primary, it is top-two finisher, not by party. So... Uh, Eric, I want to thank you for spending so much time with our view, with our listeners this morning, and um, I'll look forward to talking with you again. Thank you, Joyce. It has been a pleasure, and I would uh, love to talk to you anytime. Take care. Have a good thank day. You, you too. And to those of you uh, listening, next week our guest will be uh, Anthony Price. Um, Anthony is uh, the... Um, executive director of what's called the Gold Star Ride Foundation. This is a motorcycle uh, ride across the United States with many stops here in California. And what the foundation does is to support Gold Star families, the families left behind by our fallen military uh, personnel. And so I'm going to look forward to that conversation. And on June 3rd, you can look forward to a return visit from Charlie Cook of the National Review. And in the meantime, I'll see you at reimagineamerica.org. This has been Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum, donate, tell others, and sign up to receive future podcasts. That's reimagineamerica.org. Together. We can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.